Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we have a doozy for you. I felt like that was an appropriate case. This is an appropriate case to bring it back for. I think we should just bring back the doozy altogether. Yeah, I don't like saying it every time, but... They've all been doozies lately, though. I feel like that's the only correct word in my head when I think of some of these. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to think of something else. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. We'll have to uh, bring back, if you guys can think of another synonym. Is that the right term? Yeah. A a synonym. A cinnamon. Cinnamon. A synonym. For uh, the word doozy. Send it our way. Yeah, send in our DMs and tell us. <laughs> but it has to be a good one. I don't know. We did get some good ones in the past. I'll have to find that message. I think she sent us a few. My dad gave us a, a few, but, like, he did the same thing I did before, where I literally looked up doozy and looked up synonyms in Google. <laughs> and they're just like, I feel like they're not as great. Yeah. They were almost like positive words, and yeah, I just want to use something positive. <laughs> and that's a, that's yeah, I I remember seeing that because I remember thinking like I don't know if that fits this. Like it it's wild, but like it's almost like positively wild. <laughs> I can't think of one right now, but yeah, I can't remember either. Well, I don't have anything exciting. To start us off with today, <laughs> or at least anything. anything bef- Sorry, I was gonna say at least at least we don't have anything we don't have anything exciting to share with you guys uh, during the recording today. Peyton and I have been talking for a good twenty minutes about life. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's for another day. Yeah, <laughs> definitely for another day. Well, I guess I'll just kind of let you dive right on into it, Sid. All right. It was Christmas Eve in 1973. Kevin Showalter, a 20-year-old college student, was driving with his girlfriend, Deborah Emilita. Of course, there has to be a difficult name. And they were only a few blocks away from home when they had blown a tire out. Kevin hopped out of the vehicle on Pequit Avenue in New London, Connecticut. He began to change the tire when he was struck by a passing vehicle. Deborah was nearby, like sitting on the curb, and neighbors started coming out of their homes from the noise and had all seen a vehicle speed away, but no one was able to get a solid description of the vehicle that had struck Kevin. An ambulance arrived on the scene within four minutes, and Kevin was pronounced dead. It was reported that police were slow to arrive, but once they did, there were plenty of mistakes that had been made in the investigation. There was witnesses who never had been interviewed, evidence that had been misplaced, and reports taken that later contradicted key observations that were noted. Kevin's mother, Lucia Scholl-Alter, 
took the investigation into her own hands based on these discrepancies. Through her investigations, she became convinced that the investigation had not been taken seriously within the police department. So she would kind of go on her own little, she's she's playing private investigator, basically, is the best way to describe it. She would go and search garages, look at car lots, look in parking lots, all across this town to find a vehicle that matched the description or the color that was reportedly found on Kevin's clothing. So there was dark green paint that had been found on her son's clothing and that was believed or presumed to be the color of the vehicle that had struck Kevin because they didn't have any solid evidence or a description of the car. So she would go around, search for cars that had this dark green color. And when she would come back to the police with her evidence or whatever she had found, um, it was either that the police were uninterested or they had thought that she was basically withholding evidence from them and had additional information that she didn't share with them. I literally just want to intercept here and say in my notes after this part, I literally wrote, rude as fuck since they were not investigating this case and that was in all caps like (laughs) it's super messed up and i think that oh you're withholding evidence what the fuck no i'm doing your job yes and like that's the biggest thing like they aren't doing anything during this time like they are kind of minding their own business you know maybe they're doing some sort of internal investigation but they're not sharing anything with her so she's taking it amongst herself to kind of like let me go find some green cars maybe there's something that's like missing a fender or something you know whatever and then they're like oh did you know this you're withholding information from us like what the hell okay I also want to add that a few weeks after the accident and I don't know if you saw this but she went to go pick up his belongings from the police police station and collect it they told her that his belongings had been lost so like obviously right there she's upset about it and then someone in the station told her straight up this case is never going to be solved you should just move on with your life and she was like what the fuck (laughs) yes there was a Um, lot of items like from the get-go that just misplaced reports the items were misplaced and then like later on we'll talk more about the whole investigation never being solved because that comes up a few times i feel like throughout this yeah yeah but i like i I can only imagine because I think like me as a person, if someone said that to me and that was their job is to investigate, I'd lose my shit and be like, well, this is my life now. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do your job. And then they were like, oh, but you're withholding evidence. (laughs) I think that was part of like kind of like the the oomph for her to, you know, well, I'm going to go investigate it then. If you guys aren't going to do it, like I'll go find something like this. She was convinced like I'm going to solve this case then you guys aren't doing anything yeah so a former mayor of new london harry harvey malove was considered to be one of the potential suspects that had come to be he was reported to he it was reported that he had been driving through the area that night approximately a minute or two after the accident had occurred He said that he had saw a green car that was parked on the side of the road and was speaking with a woman who was presumed to be Deborah, uh, Kevin's girlfriend. 
But it's turned out that from this report that the former mayor had said, the story was basically completely made up. Deborah had never spoken with anyone on the side of the road, and they were not even positive that the vehicle that had hit Kevin had actually been green. Um, according to Kevin's mother, she actually believed that the paint ha- had been planted on his clothing, and there was no confirmation since no one had ever seen an actual description or been able to provide a description of this car that the vehicle had been green. And through a grand jury, the former mayor was let go and he was never charged of the crimes. In September of 1979, Paul Hansen, another potential suspect, had basically confessed to the hit and run and said that he had been out partying that night and remembered that he was driving on the Pequot Avenue, and he had felt a minor impact at one point. The next day, he woke up. He basically didn't remember anything from that night, but when he went to go and inspect his vehicle, he saw that there was some minor damage, and he couldn't remember how he'd gotten home or what had happened. So once the reports came out that there was a hit-and-run incident that had happened, he kind of linked himself to it from that information. He's like, oh, my vehicle's damaged. I was on. The, I was driving last night. I don't remember driving last night. It must have been me because I remember some form of impact that hit this person on the side of the road. Unfortunately, though, the statute of limitations to charge him on this had run out, being that it had been six years later, which I tried to. I don't know if you looked into this, Peyton, but like I tried to look into that a little bit more because I didn't think that there was a statute of limitations on like murder, but like there is on like a civil suit. So I thought it was maybe because they were probably going to charge him not with murder, but vehicular manslaughter. Okay. And that might have. Uh, statue of limitations. I was blanking on my word there. I was also thinking just because it was like in the 70s, because obviously, like, when cases come to the Supreme Court, like, it could have been that the law changed over time. So it might have been that, I mean, I guess I wasn't able to, like, natu- like actually confirm that. It could have just been, though, what Peyton said, like, what they were trying to charge based off of. Because if it would have been, like, a civil suit, that would have been a ha- had to have been within six years, like a wrongful death suit or something. Yeah, and so, like, right now, statute of limitations in Connecticut, there is no time limit for Mm -hmm. certain serious crimes, obviously, as murder and other Class A felonies. But some other, like, Class B or lower felonies, prosecutors must begin a prosecution within five years of the date the crime was committed. So, So, and I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I can't see when it changed. No, they don't uh, tell you that because they just go basically off to the present, I feel like, unfortunately. Yeah, so, like, I would have to dig for that. But I do think that vehicular manslaughter would be on there. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But, no, it only lists the ones that are considered Class A felonies. And that's kind of what I was finding, too. Like, the the more... Bigger crime, you know, so I'm looking like, okay, he killed someone. This is murder, homicide, whatever. Um, but I guess dependent on what degree they're seeking to. But I always thought that there wasn't like a statute of limitations on that. Oh, well, this says motor vehicle violations are crimes resulting in another's death when they in the 
involve the crime of evading responsibility in an accident causing death. Hmm. So that's still considered a class A felony. So I'm, I'm guessing that must have changed over time. Yeah. But so this is from the Connecticut statute of limitations prosecuting chief attorney issue thing. <laughs> if that makes thing. sense. <laughs> it literally says there the issue, statute of limitations for prosecutions. Interesting. So basically because the statute of limitations had ran out, another jur- grand jury had to investigate what had taken place and they basically dismissed this man's confession and were like he's just agreeing to it but we have no actual like viable explanation as to why he would admit to this and like it doesn't make sense so they just completely dismissed it years later hansen ended up taking his life in 2005 and in his suicide suicide note that he'd left he wrote of this guilt that he had that he had to live with all this time for causing Kevin's death. So even though he was never actually charged with it, he ends up committing suicide. It kind of seems like, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point with our theories, but the signs kind of point to him. He commits suicide for it, puts that in his note, but he's never actually charged for the crime. There was then another attempt to reopen the case, which was denied by Judge Elaine Gordon. The reason given, and this was shortly after the suicide, the reason given for this denial was that the age of the case and the number of the key people had, I can't speak now. The reason given, given for the denial was the age of the case and the number of key people who had now been deceased. So we have Hansen, who's now deceased. This is the man who committed suicide. We have Paul Hansen, deceased. And then we have the mayor, who was the prior suspect, um, Harvey Malove. And there was also a key detective who had all been deceased at this point in, like, 2005. It later became more apparent that the file had basically no longer existed. And that seemed to be the real reason for denying the reopen. Because all of the files, it was thousands of pages, had mysteriously vanished, and naturally, there was no copies that had been made of this. So, unfortunately, to this day, the case remains unsolved. There's no no one that's been charged, no answer as to who had committed this hit and run, and the people are just kind of slowly dying off at this point. But... I guess my question or what I want to talk about with you, Peyton, is who do you think did it? Is it one of the two people that <laughs> um, we have listed? Is it another rando? Is it like the police's, you know, is it all because of this um, investigation gone shoddy or is there another piece that we're missing? So... I'll kind of take you on this roller coaster that I went through. (laughs) Yes. I hope it's the same ride I was on. Yes. And so one thing that really stuck out with me when I was first looking into the case is that Harvey Malove, the former mayor, he like didn't just like come out of the woodwork and volunteer. It looked like Kevin's mother, when she was like canvassing and going door to door, she knocked on his door, is what it appeared to me. I'm not sure if that's 100% accurate. 
And I think I saw something similar to that. I, that's why I didn't include, like, how he actually really got in. Because I saw, like, two different things, and I wasn't able to confirm either. And yeah. one of them was something like that. And then there was another that it was, like, one of the neighbors had reported seeing his vehicle, like, after the point, like, driving back around the block or something. So it was almost like he was, like, in the area and then came back in the area. Like, oh, what's going on, guys? Yeah. So, like, that's kind of how... So the way I kind of saw was like, oh, he offered this information when she knocked on the door. Maybe he's just a busy man and doesn't really realize. But like being a former mayor, I think you'd watch the news, like especially your local news. And it it was in the news. I mean, if later on, you know, our other suspect, Paul Hansen, says like he realized from like watching the news coverage that he might have been the one to hit this kid. I don't know. So at first I was like, hmm, weird. First, like, first of all, that's weird. Second of all, you're like literally driving by as this accident's happening on like right after it happens on a lonesome road and you didn't stop, especially being a former mayor. Like that was another like red flag to me. That's true. That's very true. And so like, From another article I saw, basically Kevin's mom in an interview said, you know, at first she thought, like, this guy was, like, a godsend. Like, wow, what a great good Samaritan giving me this, like, information. And then when the grand jury, the first one, (laughs) convened to go over everything, that's when they basically, (laughs) it was decided by the state that the new London police completely dropped the ball. Uh, said, I know you mentioned losing a bunch of evidence, including, you know, paint from the vehicle, Kevin's personal belongings. And I saw even listed was like a plastic car signal, like the light that had shattered at the scene or bumped out or whatever. And then that's when they also just determined that the green paint particles, although they couldn't prove it, had more than likely been planted I literally wrote in my notes as I was going through it. Basically, the screams cover up. And it did kind of seem that way to me. Especially at the end. When, like, you find out, okay, well, seven different eyewitnesses say Malove's story's false. They never saw his car there. Uh, Kevin's girlfriend said no one ever stopped to see her, talk to her. She never saw a green car. So why would he just offer this information? You know, like, that seems like a big red flag. And so then it said he was never charged, obviously. But he offered to take a lie detector test and passed, which Mm -hmm. we both have, like, conflicting views on this anyways. (laughs) And but then what really sent me was that he even continued to be involved by paying for a private detective in the hopes to not only bring justice to the case, but that it would clear his name and I'm like, oh, this man is, like, real dedicated. Also, don't really know how I feel about that. It could be for show. But at first, I'm like, this is the emotional roller coaster I was going on, right? Like, yeah. this man, at first, I'm, like, learning all of this. Okay, this man did it, <laughs> is what I'm thinking. And then, you know, years later, we bring up the Paul Hansen case. And it, like, 
it was weird that he came forward six years later and I really couldn't find anything else about like Paul's mental health or anything like that or like what prompted him coming forward Mm -hmm. Um, because usually I think if something like that happens it's like something traumatic happened in your own life to be like oh I just got to get this off my chest but he came forward in 1979 I think yeah because it was like six years later well Paul killed himself in 2005 and he still mentioned in that note that he had all this guilt and like sorrow for killing Kevin or causing Mm -hmm. his death I think is what the word said You would think that all that guilt would have been, like, brought upon in 1979. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, if you really didn't do it, or or he might have convinced himself he did it. That's kind of, now that you brought that up, that's kind of what I was thinking. So, I got a lot of, um, like, making, have you seen Making a Murder? I'm gonna shock you by saying no. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like we had this conversation at some point. I There's a lot of um, making a murderer vibes with this one. This is actually, like, how it stood out to me. Um, so I follow a group on Facebook, and it's, like, unsolved, like, cold cases. And this one had come up, and there was a comment on there, and someone had said something along the lines of sounding like making a murder. And then I got super intrigued and just just super deep into it so like in making a murder there's a lot of like disappearing evidence plotted evidence there's a confession from someone that like didn't really hand like have anything to do with it just like a whole lot of just weird vibes and I feel like that's kind of how this all came to be like that it was some sort of setup and I don't know like it's one of those things you don't want to believe that like allegedly anyone would do anything of that nature and like set a crime up like if or hide someone from being the actual person but I I don't know it just it kind of seems weird okay so I have a few thoughts on this whole setup thing or like you know planting evidence yeah now the grand jury was convened years later and so here's kind of how I feel like yes it kind of screams cover-up like I said but I think it would only be a cover-up if there was someone involved worth the like worth the police protecting so it could have been the former mayor but I definitely think that would have come out by now if there was like multiple people in a police force protecting someone You don't know. It happens quite often. And it might not be multiple people. It might just be one person. But clearly the rest of the detectives didn't care. So my thoughts Mm -hmm. are maybe that when the grand jury was being convened by the state, now that the state took it over looking into their case, they had planted all this evidence in hopes that, like, it would cover their butts. And it Mm. really didn't. No. Um, So I don't really know. I do have this fun fact for all of you people. This was the most expensive and extensive hit and run case to date that had taken place. I think I saw even still to this day, or at least the article I read in 2015. And 
it costs about $1 million and they called 107 witnesses. And that was in 1976 because they did it three years after the original accident and murder. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's, that's a lot. That's a lot of freaking money. It'd also be, like, interesting, though, so, like, okay, we have two people, like, that were suspect- suspected or, like, possible people, but, like, those are the only two people that you can kind of, like, read about on the internet. Like, there's no other people that had come forward, at least to my knowledge, or, like, other people that they had suspected, and... I guess the thing that comes to my mind, like, with the planted evidence or, like, the weird cover-up situations, and even, like, later on, like, in when they tried to get the re- the case reopened, like, after Paul Hansen had killed himself and, like, all this stuff is just, like, gone. Like, if this is, like, one of the most expensive cases that you guys are putting together for, like, the grand jury aspects and, like, all this money's going into it. What if it was something, like, more internal? Like, if a public officer, like, a, someone is speeding by and is the person that actually did it. And so they're covering up their own or, like, something like that was something that came to mind? Yeah. So keeping in mind that, like you said, it is the most expensive one in history. So it is very strange that none of the files exist. It said 12 volumes with over 3,000 pages of documents contained within records from two grand jury hearings and everything just disappeared and no copies were ever made. And that's a big red flag to me. (laughs) That's a huge and like, okay, so when I used to work at the courthouse in the basement of the courthouse, I don't know how it is now, but I worked there on like, what, 2014 to 2017. They have like boxes of like the appeals cases and like bigger cases like different exhibits and whatnot this isn't even necessarily just like police reports but like court documents and they do have like the actual some of the exhibits from the police station because they don't have enough space for that crap and it's all like attached downtown but just boxes of this crap so like i guess it could easily like get misplaced but not where it just completely disappears like they're clearly labeled, like, show alter, number one, show alter, number two, like, for each individual box. Like, yeah, that's a lot of craps for it's just to vanish. Like, did someone take it home with them? Like, yeah, I agree. Um, I'll be honest. I really don't know how I feel. I want to say that if Paul killed himself, you know, 40 years after the accident happened and part of the reason he listed his death was you know just this guilt and sorrow overcoming his life like he wouldn't still be claiming that you know like I said 2005 he came forward in 79 so that right there is you know almost 30 years 35 (laughs) And that's true, but that he wouldn't be like carrying this with him if he genuinely didn't feel that way. However, I don't know Paul's history. I don't know his like mental health, his like background or anything like that. And the reason I say that is I have come to realize in my true crime obsessed world 
it is way more common to confess to a crime that you did not commit than normal people like you and I said could ever comprehend. Retweet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Retweet. Also, so, like, if you're out on a night like that, sorry to cut you off, like, if you're out on a night like that, you hear something, so, like, you had you felt a minor impact at one point, you were drunk, so you didn't really remember what was going on, you could kind of almost just convince yourself, like, I hit something, this exactly. happened, I was on that road, it had to have been me, like, that's the only thing that makes sense, not, oh, maybe there was a box in the road that I hit, or, like, an animal, like, something like that, you don't, he just made his mind up on it, whether he had actual evidence or not. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think that's, like, the other part to consider in, like, his confession. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would genuinely, like, have the most to lose in this situation. I'd want to say the Malove family, potentially. And it did seem like he lost a bit. I don't know if him hiring a private detective is really saving face or really trying to clear his name. We will never really know now that he has passed and he maintained his innocence until his death. Mm-hmm. So that's really not helpful. Uh, I think it's kind it, it's one of those it's one of those unsolved cases that I don't think we'll ever have an answer to unfortunately it's one of those unsolved cases that keeps sydney up at night with very limited information that is actually out there (laughs) that she just makes up weird scenarios in her head uh same also it's extra bad because like sometimes i have a theory but i don't have a theory on this one i don't have an answer for you i really i really genuinely i I don't know what to think yeah and I don't I don't honestly I don't have like a straight you know this is what I'm convinced of like I think there's a lot of just weird things with it you know it could have been that the former mayor like Harvey Malove I do think it's sketchy that he was you know let me hire a detective and (laughs) let me show up to all of these events I feel like when people like show up to the events and they're a potential suspect like that's what you see on the crime shows like they look for people at like the I don't know, like, the candle vigil who are acting shady. Like, because that's the person that might have done it. Like, they want to be a part of it, but they don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, I almost felt like he was overselling it. (laughs) Yeah, like, how... You kind of just have to stay away, I feel like. I guess you want to be nice, but you're not going to win, I feel like, in either case. People are still going to feel some type of way. Agreed. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think... I didn't really love that. I don't think he sold me on, like, he was actually trying to be helpful. No, that's, like, the the shady spouse situation. Uh, yes. And (laughs) most of us, I'm hoping most of you that listen, are old enough to remember the (laughs) Lacey Peterson and Scott Peterson case. And, yeah. You said old enough. Wasn't that in, like, the 2000s? We were in high school, Sid. Yeah, but, like, that wasn't that long ago. What do you mean old enough? Well, <laughs> I'm it, saying... These kids don't know about this? Yeah. What is that? Are you really I was still in high school. It was before I graduated. I was working, and I used to watch Nancy Grace before I hated her. 
Uh, you were in <laughs> high school for Lacey Peterson? Yeah. That was in 2002. Oh, what's the case I'm thinking? I was like, that was, that was definitely like early 2000s. He was convicted in 2004. You were in high school in 2004? Oh, I graduated in 2011. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like... What was the big one that I watched on Nancy Grace then? Oh, I don't I know. know. Ka- Casey Anthony was in high school. But... like, I was Yeah, I didn't school. follow that case very closely. My grandpa did. He I did. did. He followed that one. He co- he followed the Jody Airy uh, uh, Aries case very up. closely. He's a big cr- like a crime. Are you talking TV about Su- Susan court- Powell? No, because there was a trial. Oh. Okay, okay. I don't know. We'll come back another time. You're correct. I am not that old. I was like the Lacey Peterson one. Like I remember when that trial happened. He was convicted in two thousand four. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember that. But I was (laughs) eleven. I was definitely little when that happened. I knew that one was a long time ago, or like not a long time ago, like early two thousands. Now I'm like stressed about this. What is the other? What are the? What's the other one that you're thinking of? Well, this one says two thousand. In the 2000s, but it starts with 2011 as Casey Anthony. I don't think it was that. It was Chris Watts. It had to have been like 2010. Because I graduated in 2011. And I didn't work at Hardee's anymore. (laughs) Chris Watts was like 2018. Yeah, no, that one was, I still remember that one, but that was newer. I don't know. We're going to have to think about this one. We'll come back to me. (laughs) Now I'm fucking... I'm sorry, am I making you think about what actually was happening? (laughs) Now I'm thinking about murders in 2000s. The 2010s. I'm somehow on most well-known crimes in America by state. Okay. Weird. <laughs> I've heard some of these too. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I guess just when you when you do that, when you throw yourself into the fire and join the people at the candlelight vigil, you just seem shady, even if you hired a private de- detective to save your case. Yes, facts. And then on the That's other the hand, point of what we were saying. <laughs> yes, we have people confessing to crimes, which they do this all the time. And that's the thing too. I don't know. Did you see anything about like how Hanson came forward? Like, did he come forward on his own, or did was it more of like a, he was a suspect? I didn't really see anything on that. I didn't see anything either. It looked like he just came forward on his own, and so then, that's what was like another big red flag to me. I think. Because, like I said, I couldn't see anything in his history or his background that necessarily triggered, like, him coming forward. Yeah. I guess I was just curious, like, if it was something, like, so even, I guess, it might have been me 
maybe he he said you know oh like i was driving down there this is my situation and then if they started questioning him it could have turned into a confession like we don't really know what happens behind closed doors especially in early 2005 yeah i agree like nowadays at least they have like cameras in those rooms but it might have been questionable then yeah i don't know i'm just very torn on how to feel so yeah <laughs> that's all i got that's all i'm she very wrote. perplexed when i realized that uh, i can't remember anything let alone you know something so basic from 10 years ago that i <gasps> remember being super obsessed with and now my whole life is a lie you're gonna text so. me in the middle of the night i feel like and you're gonna wake up and be like it was I'm 100% going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm trying to think of other big ones. I know there's so many, but, like, that would have been in, like, the, when we were in high school. Like, I feel like I would have known about that. Or even if I would have been in middle school, like, I would have, I was interested at that point. So, like, if it was a big case, I feel like I would, and I can't think of anything. Yeah, I don't know either. I feel like Susan Powell would have been around that time, but there wasn't really, we never found her body, so. Yeah, she died in 2000, or went missing in 2009. Yeah. I didn't know about that one until about, like, four or five years ago. What? You're kidding me. I mean, I might have heard about it, but, like, four or five years ago is when I got super obsessed about that case. Listened to all the podcasts about it and everything. That's true, and I feel like I do that kind of with faces. Like, there's this this case, for example. There's many other ones out there, too, but, like, this happened before I was even thought of, and I didn't know about it until, like, three months ago. Yeah, I had never heard of this either, but I do think it's important that we, we mentioned that it's, like, the most expensive, case, like, hit-and-run case because... I had never heard of it either, and I think that that would make it a, like, very big case. Like, yeah, something that you would hear about, (laughs) and you didn't. Exactly. But it might have been, and that's, you know, that's honestly something I didn't ask, but, like, I don't know, you know, my mom was alive, and my parents were alive in the the 70s. Like, was this something that did make it around the States, and then it just kind of lost its way along a long time? Maybe. I'm not sure. My dad would remember. (laughs) If anyone out there uh, is listening, (laughs) aka mom, let me know. (laughs) Let us know if you remember hearing about this case. (laughs) So we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. I don't have anything else. Did you figure out your case? No. All right. I'll wait for the text message then. We don't have to Yeah, I don't come later. Yeah. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> now I want to know, though. Like, that's actually going to bother me, I feel like. Because now I'm like, what other cases? Like, what am I, who am I forgetting about? I don't know, but I'm just like searching and searching. I remember watching Nancy Grace and I was following some sort of case. It might have been. I'll get back to you. I remember watching Nancy Grace for the Casey Anthony stuff, like, from the first day she went missing. Really? 
Yes, like clear as day. That's like the one thing that I re- like. I remember other like other cases. Like obviously, like you know, Rittenhouse happened like three weeks ago. I watched all of that, but you know, the Casey Anthony one is one of the more like I guess older ones that I literally remember watching from the beginning. Like how people were watching the Gabby Petito case from the beginning. Hmm. Also, update, I thought it was another case, so I looked that that up, but that was in 2007. So, I'm also at a loss. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Alright, well, do you want to joke Maybe I'm that? just having f- flashbacks to watching Nancy Grace clips about Stephen... Stephen. I was thinking it was Stephen Grant and his wife, but <laughs> Scott and Lacey Peterson... Because I've done a lot of research on that, and I have a lot of hot takes, but we won't get into that because they're controversial. Well, um, I did think, I think she did do, a, like, a more recent special, too, so it could have been, like... I think she did, because I think... <laughs> like, you could have seen a special, but then it was, like, her newer footage and her older fish footage, but it might have been in, like, the 20, 2010s. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of video footage of Nancy Grace when I search Scott Peterson. <laughs> so maybe that is what I watched, and I'm just blending my memories together now, folks. This is, you know, you're along for the ride in my brain. We don't know what's going on most of the time. Sort of my life. <laughs> okay, hit me with, um, let's do a fact first. Let's end on a good note. <laughs> it is estimated that there are over... 20,000 different taco recipes. 20,000. 20,000 estimated taco recipes. So basically, I can make one a day for the rest of my life, and I still probably won't make all of them. Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Lots of different tacos you can eat. I do want to know, though, because... You know, they tell me there's all these crazy recipes, but then it's like, okay, so is one recipe, like, add the cilantro, and then the next one's, like, minus the cilantro. Like, all these different crazy concoctions of, like, the same recipes, just minus or plus an ingredient. I will say this. I bought Danny Trejo's recipe book Mm -hmm. (laughs) of tacos because I'm, if you want to know one person I'm obsessed with, folks, it's fucking Danny Trejo I love him with all of my heart and he is a national treasure Jesus and but anyways I bought that recipe and I went through it and there's at least like 30 different recipes in there okay and there's like pork and chicken and beef and fish and all these varieties of fish and like it's not you know, the same thing, but different meats. Like, they're all very different. So it's not plus or minus the cilantro. Correct. I'm sure if we did that, that'd be, like, another 20,000. That's probably true. That's probably true. I guess I always am skeptical about that, though, because I'll look up all these recipes, like, for not tacos, but just, you know, random things. And I'll be like, oh, I want this chicken and dumplings recipe. And then it's like, there's 75. And then I actually compare them. And I'm like, dude, we're literally just taking out one ingredient or adding one ingredient. Yes. Like, this is On the same fucking thing. one, and then you have yeah. to figure out what's the difference and which one would be better. Yeah, like, which ingredient <laughs> do I want to keep? 
Stay tuned, Dumb. folks. I'll make my own recipe book eventually. <laughs> With 20,000. I don't know about that, but like It'll at be like least a, a solid 20 is a base. <laughs> just the yellow pages for tacos. <laughs> yeah, I'll color code it. That's so smart. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, tell me the joke before I go a little extra crazy, apparently. Why was everyone scared of the tortilla chip? Why? Because he was a nacho man. (laughs) That was good. I was trying to think, like, oh, because he was a hard guy. (laughs) But, like, that doesn't sound good. That's funny. I like that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nacho man. Okay. I'm clearly losing my mind. Um, (laughs) It's getting late. It's getting late. This is tacos and tequila at night. You're welcome, folks. After hours. Yeah, we get a little loopy. (laughs) Well, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. You can find a list of our episodes, and they have links on there. It is not updated. I'm so sorry. I'm a little behind on that. But it does have a link to our merch, and definitely check that out because that can make some cool holiday gifts. Yes. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, definitely leave us a rating or a review. I saw that there was another new one. I was really excited. Um, Keep doing that. Helps us get noticed. And it just makes us feel better about ourselves on why we keep doing this. A hundred percent. And if you think I'm loopy now, I'll be extra loopy when I am crying reading (laughs) any good reviews. Yes. The reviews are the best. We haven't had an actual, like, new review, but, like, I still appreciate the ratings. Like, all the five stars. Same. Yeah. we We appreciate any of that. So, thank you, folks. And I guess we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.